0: The fifth annual Audio Theatre Central Seneca Awards broadcast is just around the corner. The Seneca Awards recognize excellence in the world of family-friendly audio drama, and we want to invite you to tune in. Join us on Friday, August 26, 2022 at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, as we award winners in 12 different categories from productions released in the year of 2021. In addition to announcing the winners, we'll hear presentations from writer-director Kathy Buchanan and actor and writer Philip Glasborough. There will also be short audio drama features and more. The broadcast will be streamed at thesenecas.org, where you'll be able to chat live with other listeners. We'll see you on Friday, August 26, 2022, at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. For more information, head over to thesenecas.org. That's thesenecas.org.
1: Welcome to Audio Drama Insiders, the podcast giving you the lowdown on the most prolific and talented creators in the industry. And now, here are your hosts, Craig Hart and Trisha Rose. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Audio Drama Insiders. My name is Craig Hart, and I'm here with my trusty co-host, Trisha Rose. How are things going in your world, Trisha?
0: Today, everything is going Wonderful.
1: One day at a time. Right, right.
0: Live in the moment.
1: (laughs) Yeah, my twin boys have been at their grandparents' all week and they're coming back today. So I am embracing myself. It's shocking how quickly I became used to doing whatever I wanted whenever I wanted.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Is that a good thing or a a bad thing? (laughs) And then they're coming back. (laughs)
1: Since they may listen to this in the future, I'm very excited to see them. Good answer. (laughs)
0: Well,
1: let's get into today's interview. You have a great guest today. You want to kick us off with a bio?
0: Yeah, sure. Christina Castaneda is a writer, producer, and digital strategy geek who loves combining writing with podcasting. She is the host of The Savvy Creative, which features award-winning audio dramas with magic, romance, and dark thrillers. Fully produced by indie writers and creative talent. Welcome, Christina.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. I want to jump in and say, first of all, can you tell us what a fiction podcast actually is?
2: It can be a narrative fiction. It can be pretty much like an audiobook on a podcast. It's different from an audio drama. Audio drama is fully cast, scripted. It could pretty much be a movie, but you take away the video part, but it has like the actors, the sound effects, the music composing, uh, scoring, everything. A fiction podcast could just be, what makes that different is that it could be a narrator telling a story. So there's a lot of wiggle room for what you can do. I always say podcasting is like pirate radio back in the day. <laughs> like there's not really any rules and you can pretty much take it where you want to go. Um and that's what I love. So sometimes I say fiction podcast so people kind of understand. Just don't call me an audiobook. That's how I <laughs> ask because that's the first thing people will say. I'm like, no, audio drama. It means we have a full cast. We write it as a script. We don't write it as a novel. Um there's there doesn't tend to be a whole lot of narrating. I'm than a, like an audiobook, but it's it's made the same way you would make a movie. Because when I first started doing it, I actually recruited filmmakers to help me because that's all mm-hmm. I had in my network. Because I live in LA. Um, and that's I had worked in production before. So that's kind of like the difference that you see, you know, um, between fiction podcast, audio drama, and uh, audio books. So never call us an audiobook; <laughs> We do something completely different, whole different talent, whole different crew, whole different skill set, and your your ears even have to be <laughs> trained a little bit differently to make it all work <laughs> together. And you you get that training as you go on.
1: Would you say the ears must be trained? Are you talking about those who are producing? Or is there some education involved with the audience as well?
2: The audience, um, I would say if, if you can set the scene right, they'll be into it. Like if the voices draw them in, it, it really doesn't matter. They'll eventually get hooked to it and it'll, it'll um, be something that they'll come back to which is really fun. There's nothing better than when I had someone in the UK tell me, I've never been to the desert before, but after listening to your podcast, I imagine that's what it is. <laughs> I'm like, okay, great. Howling coyotes and wind and sandstorms and you know rattlesnakes. Like, Good. I want you to feel that. As far as if you're doing it professionally, um, I'd say it helps if you study music. Um, and if you kind of know how to listen to um, sounds, when to take rests, you know, how to blend things together. Um, I studied music, but my daughter who is 23, or I'm sorry, 22, <laughs> she's going to get upset with me for that. And she, <laughs> good thing she doesn't listen though. She doesn't listen to my podcast. Um, nothing I do is cool to her, but she actually is audio engineer. So yeah. she helps me a lot as well. And uh, she helps me. Uh, she's like my second pass like that <laughs> <laughs> editor. And she's brutally honest.
1: Kids usually are. You, you want to work with, <laughs>
2: yeah, and you want to work with people who who have that kind of music background, um, and also you know you you have to listen for voices and pitch and things. So it helps if you have it. But if you're just starting and you just have a really cool idea and you want to put it together, that's something that you will learn and you'll start to learn to listen to as well. Your ears will start. Um, you know, if you do it too much, they practically hallucinate. But if you do it enough, like, and you pace yourself really well they'll guide you in the direction you need to go. Like you hear it and you're like, that's it. And there's nothing as wonderful as like when you're working with your team. Like I was working with one of my directors when we did The Last Magician, which is the first series that we did. And we were like, no, that's not it. No, that's not it. And then you adjust it. You put a new sound. We're like, boom, that's the one. All right, next one. Move on, do it again. (laughs) Do it for the next scene. But that's the fun part of working together and making uh, audio drama is that you get to really make a lot of beautiful, scary Edgy things, and you trained yourself to do it. So,
1: we just have just met today. So, I may be going astray by uh, assuming this, but it seems to me that the fact that with audio fiction, the fact that there are very few rules is something that would possibly appeal to you.
2: Uh, well, what's what's the saying? You're only remembered for the rules you break. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> one thing is that I I just love like Adult Swim kind of raunchy cartoon humor. Mm-hmm. I love shows like Archer. I love, you know, Brick and Morty. And I really wanted to find something that was pushy and edgy like that, um, but still told a really good story. Still made you like swoon romantically or still made you like believe in magic because a lot of our stuff takes a lot of magic because of the whooshing sounds and the... the the way that you can play with it. I also do two languages. We do stuff in Spanish, like we we put Spanglish in there. Um, It's been a really hard learning curve because there's not really a rule book for that. Mm. (laughs) So if you're going to what Hollywood does, they'll just use some basic words that people can pick up. But when you're having actors improv and they just go for it and do an entire line of Spanish, um, you're like, how do we edit this to where a non-Spanish speaker can understand it, but Latinos who don't have a lot of, there's not a lot of audio fiction for us, especially stuff that has Adult Swim kind of humor. <laughs> um, like, how are we going to make it work to where it lands for both audiences? So that's been a huge challenge for us. Luckily, I've been blessed to work with some incredible, um, act- I got uh, a voiceover actors and uh, comedians as well, because comedians just have such a wide range. And normally with audio drama the first thing people think of is like, oh, voice actors, which you do want a trained voice actor. It's really important. But I really think it's important for me um, to div- diversify your talent, like bring different people to the table. And I feel like that's one of the things we're also doing differently um, because, you know, as I had mentioned before, we started, I started with the film people that I knew in my network. And they were so talented, and some of them were comedians, but they could play like a really serious character. They just had a really wide range. And I actually remember an interview about Breaking Bad, like one of those behind the scenes documentaries where he chose comedians like Brian Cranston and um, Better Call Saul, Bob Odenkirk, right? Because they were really, they had that wide range. And so that's when I said, okay, I'm going to start working with some. And also the comedians had the bigger following. Let's just be real. They have the social media because they're good at creating content. Mm-hmm. So I said, all right, I'm going to bring these actors to the table. They're going to learn from each other. And they do. Like the voiceover actors do a lot of narrating and uh, commercials. It's like the bulk of their work. So the comedians bring the, you know, they get to really work on their acting and work on their humor and work about landing jokes. And it's been really fun. I think that's one of the things we're doing differently. I'm really excited for it because sometimes it just goes like in a direction you're not expecting. I'm like, (laughs) oh my God, did you just say that? Wow. Okay. Okay. I wasn't expecting that, but you gotta let people be creative. And I, sure. I really wanna open a space for my actors to be able to if they wanna improv, then improv. If they wanna if they wanna push it, then let them go for it. Cause you don't wanna stop their creativity if they're feeling the character. Mm-hmm. But you gotta stay on book too. You can't <laughs> you know, you can't go too far off the script because the script has to make sense at the end of the day. The story <laughs> has to work. Right. So it's been a challenge, but that's that's the fun part. We discover a lot of it together and you know, nobody's really doing something this funny in a story form, in this storytelling form, for our particular audience, which is really, really fun. It sounds like you've
0: been involved in creating audio content for quite a while. What originally got you interested in creating fiction podcasts?
2: Well, I had been working um, in production for a long time, and I did so many Podcasts for corporate. My corporate job. I did like Team Beachbody podcasts. I did. Uh, I worked with London Real briefly for a few years. So I'd worked with a lot of big media channels, and I was so tired of doing the same thing. I was tired of interviews. Then you start. I started getting a lot of PR people coming to uh, you know sell their clients to me, which was great. I'm like, okay, well, audience is there, but I'm not. I don't want to do this for another hundred episodes. And then the pandemic actually started shaking things up. And that's when I started The Last Magician in 2020. I just started reading my fiction on the podcast, just me. And Chris Gregory from the Alternative Stories podcast, he actually reached out to me and asked if I could do a segment for him. And I was like, me? Sure, okay. And I'd always been behind the camera. I'd always been on the set. I'd never been the talent. I've done a little bit of modeling and a little bit of acting, like commercial acting, but I never... Like when you're in LA, it's talent is incredible. And so you just get this imposter syndrome, because there's a lot of talent out there. And then he when he reached out to me, I did it, it it performed really well, he wanted to work with me again. And so I started getting inspired. And I was like, you know what, I want to do this, this is more fun. And then we started to see our downloads double. Like a lot of people were interested in the story, the sound effects. I was like, what the hell, let's submit to for awards, let's submit to the festivals, why not? And it just kept growing and growing and growing. And then I just thought, if I don't make this pivot, like, what am I doing? Like, I'm obviously not happy doing the interviews. I'm getting burnt out. They take so long to edit. I mean, obviously, audio drama takes a long time to edit, but you learn to pace yourself. But I was just like, you know, we kind of say the same thing. People are just coming to pitch their books because mine was for self-published authors. That was my niche. And it just wasn't fulfilling anymore. And so when we went in audio drama, I had to step up my writing game. (laughs) Like, I really got to tell different types of stories. I experimented a lot. Because when you're creative, you're just like, you think, will this work? It sounds great in my head, but is it going to make sense (laughs) when I try it? Like, the second one I did, Mojave, was just a one-woman monologue. And halfway through, I was like, I think I'm regretting this. I, (laughs) I don't know if I can finish this. Because I would get stuck in the story. But then it really pushed me. I was like, look, you gotta, you gotta finish what you start. You gotta deliver for your audience. You can't ju- it's not like writing my novels that I would just leave half empty or just kind of abandon after the fourth edit. It was like, no, my audience is listening to this. They're liking it, they're feeling like they're in the desert. <laughs> you know, like what do I do? You can't leave them in the so, desert. Yeah, I can't. Oh, I know, right? With rattlesnakes and coyotes. There was a magical talking coyote. I mean, if you're gonna stay in the <laughs> desert, you know, it's just or magical coyotes. I don't think he talked, but um, we have a talking cat in our next one nice. <laughs> in Venice Magic Shop. And, and see, I can do that. If I were to do something like that in film or animation, you know what it would be? It would be insane, right? <laughs> it would be hard to put together. You'd need a puppeteer. Or you'd need extra voiceovers. But here, we can just have fun with it and just get some really cool sound effects. But that's what I had always wanted. I always wanted to be a writer. And then I had all this experience leading remote teams with my experience in production and in tech. That I was like, oh, I can manage projects like nobody's business. I can handle this. I can handle all the spinning plates. And I have my systems and I have the same things that I've learned from my media jobs. I can bring this over here and we can run this. So when I started seeing like all my talents could come together and do this, I was like, or everything that I was good at, not necessarily everything that I liked, (laughs) but (laughs) keeping things organized, keeping things together, scheduling a production day, like all those things, um, reaching out to people for casting and things like that. And then with the help of my friends who also wanted the work and wanted the credits and, you know, everybody's not working during the pandemic, a lot of people came to help at the time. So it just all worked out and the type of actors that we were getting, I was like, "Wow, really? They said yes? <laughs> They're reading my script?" One of our actors was like in a movie with Kevin Costner and then he came in like recently and he was reading one of our scripts and he was so good and I was like, "Oh my god, I have to really be thoughtful and mindful when I'm writing and really be careful of, you know, too much extra words, too much narrations and who I give lines to. It really like stepped up my game that mm-hmm. way, because you're thinking of how you can make each actor look good. You're thinking about the characters. So it was a really fun process. And to meet such talented, amazing people, and now that they're in your network and your friends, it's it's a really amazing way to grow. And it's fun. The audio drama community is really supportive, too. Mm-hmm. It's not like working in Hollywood at all. It's very, very supportive. It's very, very um people love each other they they they're really helpful when we need certain like, you know, actors or if we need sound design tips. like they're really helpful and thoughtful. So I appreciate that a lot, too.
1: you talked about the spinning plates, everything that you're juggling. What is your favorite part of the process?
2: Oh, my goodness. Um, I think being able to write um, the writing process, I'm always in love with. Creating a story, fan love is always amazing. When people tell you, like they laughed out loud at their desk, or they cried, or you know, that's the best. Mm -hmm. (laughs) When uh, you get the reaction and it lands the way you want to, or when they're like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you just said that," or your character (laughs) just did that, I'm like, "Yeah, we we went there." (laughs) Um, And then I would say, learning to do things that you didn't think you you could. When you're creating an episode. And there's so much pressure on it because you have like someone with a big following and you know that they can get criticized, you can get criticized and you want to make them look good. And you're at that very last leg of the race where you're up till 3am and just listening to it over and over. And you're like, should I publish it? Should I not? And you're like ready, you know, I've been ready to cry and sitting on my floor at 3am in the morning. But if I can get through that hurdle, it's like nothing else is scary to me anymore. And it just shows you like how much you can really do and how much you can accomplish. And again, it's just the people. Like, I always wanted to work around creatives, and the writing process is really lonely. Mm-hmm. You know, writing books is really lonely. You work with an editor, hopefully, <laughs> and a cover designer, and, you know, and you help people help promote you, but it's it's really hard when you work on it by yourself. With audio drama, you've got an entire team. You've got um, actors who can do a lot, and a lot of it's in your hands, too. Like, you've got a really—the fact that I have this creative control, and I can— I can still let people be creative in their way of with the character. But at at the end of the day, like I'm piecing it together. That's really nice, too, because when you're dealing with bigger productions, it's notes, notes, notes from everybody and nothing makes sense anymore. And you're just like, look, guys, this is the 47th draft. Are we going to do this or not? And it can take months. But me, I like to, you know, I say like I like to run fast and break stuff just like in tech. (laughs) So if you're a perfectionist, you're probably not going to want to work with me because I'll tell you, get it out, get it out, get it out. And that's another thing that makes me really proud. So, uh, yeah, I guess I could say I love the writing. I love the collaborating. And I just love the challenge because if I can get through that, then you know that there's more up ahead that you can that you can do. Yeah. Crying on the floor at 3 (laughs) (laughs) a.m. You never think is going to happen. But it was. But when you get the fan love, oh, my God, it's it's amazing.
0: Okay, going from tears to happier thoughts.
2: What do you think inspires you the most in your work? This particular work with Venice Magic Shop, it's it's literally magic. <laughs> um, it's culture. Lately, I've been trying to reconnect a little bit more, and I wanted to highlight things that people don't see. And it's also like my pure love for Venice Beach, <laughs> which is, you know, and my love for like folktales and things like that, that people don't often hear of. Like these folktales that we used to hear as kids that would scare us, but they're not really common mainstream, like these scary owl human creatures called lechuzas or these little gnomes called duendes they're kind of like what a really rotten little leprechaun is but in latin america Um, like a lot of people don't know these things a lot of people don't know like a lot of this aztec um, which would be actually mexica um folktales and i remember people saying like why can't we have comic books like this why can't we have like stories like this like folktales like this and i was like i want to make that I want to make that come to life. I want to make you believe in magic. Um, It's not what you think it is. It doesn't make you feel magical when you're doing it. But that's been one thing. And I think the pandemic also helped a lot because I slowed down so much from what I was doing. And I was just more thoughtful. Um, I was cooking more. Like all of us were doing things differently. And we all had to slow down and make time for different things. So that's one thing that really inspires me. And now, you know, my kids are grown. So like I have, I mean, I'm kind of an empty nester now. So like I have all this time on my hands and I'm like thinking about things differently. So yeah, that would be for Venice Magic Shop, that would lately be what inspires me. And Venice, I don't know if you all have been the Venice Beach Boardwalk, but it's unlike any place in the world. (laughs) It's very weird. It's very crazy. um, And it's so unique. That I just can't help it, but and so I go there a lot for inspiration, and it's kind of crazy. It's (laughs) I never know what happens there. There's always (laughs) at least one weird thing, but uh, that's where I take a lot of inspiration from too.
1: Talk a little bit about your production process. Do you your actors record together or separately over Zoom, or how do you handle that?
2: Together via clean feed. Mm -hmm. Um, So when we did the last magician, the first time, we like I rented a studio and we all did it together in person or like we would get together and do it somehow. And then we did a few remotely and both of them can work, but I, I prefer together because you get the quality of the files. Everything is, sounds better. And since we, we like to insult each other a lot and fight, (laughs) (laughs) um, I want that back and forth energy, Mm -hmm. um, so it works to do it together. Um, right now I'm doing a voiceover bit for another podcast um, and I do it separately and I just take the character description. And I'm like, okay, one strong, one sassy, one soft and sweet. And I kind of do that for, for them. And I don't know if it works or not. I haven't heard the, the season hasn't premiered, but I'm just not sure. I like having people work together and get to know each other and the different talents really learn from each other that way. Because also you could say, hey, there's a popping sound. Can you do that again? Or like, hey, mm-hmm. your connection dropped. We need to do that again. And we and you still have to record pickups. Like mm-hmm. no matter which way you do it, because with the other one where I do it remotely um, or separately, I still have to send in pickups, and which is my fault anyway. But it, you're going to go through the same thing. So why not just do it together if you can Sometimes people have schedules and you can't always get it that way. Mm-hmm. But I like to be there and do it and direct direct them a little bit, so...
1: What is some advice you would have for creators looking to get into the drama space, audio drama space or audio fiction space?
2: Oh, my God. Just jump in and do it. Like, don't be intimidated by people who have network and funding and or that have been doing it for a long time professionally and you're just starting out. Like, honestly, just jump in, run fast, break things. Um, your first one, it's going to be so hard to get people just to listen to your first one. <laughs> it's probably your third one that you're going to finally get listeners and you're going to finally build that audience. And uh, don't even try to, there's going to be so many mistakes. You can't avoid them. Like it's just going to happen. You're going to learn. And also you have to work on your, I I think a lot of things that gets overlooked about what really makes things run is just the leadership. You have to be able to work with people. You have to find people that work well with each other. If someone's a problem, you got to get rid of them Mm -hmm. or, you know, be be ready to write a character out at any moment because it can happen. Or you know, or or recast them, because things just can go wrong, and you have to be really flexible throughout the day as you're doing it, because you don't know. Sometimes it's like baking a cake; you put it together, and it may not come out the way you envision it. (laughs) And you have to be ready to fix it, and uh, it it happens more often than not. But if you don't learn that, and if you're not crying on the floor at 3 (laughs) a.m. learning that, (laughs) um, there's no fun in it anyway. But most of the time, when you start, it's going to be messy, and You have to be open to that and just getting better and better and better. But by your third one, or whether it's your third episode or your third series or your third story in general, your quality of writing is going to pick up, the way you're going to talk to actors, the story is going to, your plot lines are going to be tighter. You got to give yourself that room to grow. And also I would say another thing that I've learned is don't over narrate your story like, don't feel like you need to explain so much because I over narrated way too much in my first one to the point where I was like, I'm so tired of doing takes like my voice is gonna, <laughs> I'm, I'm so hoarse, I can't do this take again in this long paragraph, right? So let the sound effects tell the story for you and start training your ears to find those sound effects to tell the story for you. And then you'll get faster and cleaner. Um, and clean and simple is going to work a lot better than saturating your story with so many sound effects that was another mistake I made I was like whoa it's way too much you can't even focus on the dialogue so don't feel like a story is too simple or too clean you don't need to overdo it with all these heavy sounds or all this fancy language or you know long monologues uh, over narration clean and simple story you know problem solution (laughs) and um another probably big mistake um don't rush your ending slow yourself down write it through. If you just like, I just got to finish. I just got to finish. You're going to plop your ending and you're going to give someone that's not resolved well, has loose ends and like, what the hell just happened here? (laughs) You guys are probably seeing this on like your Hulu shows or your documentaries where you're like, wait, that's it? They just wrapped the whole thing up so fast. (laughs) Like there'll be a trial and they're like, oh, and they were found guilty. Like it'll just go through really, really fast. You need to slow yourself down, write a really thoughtful, suspenseful, Like, or whatever it's going to be, happy ending, you know, whatever it's going to be, you need to really like, you you deserve to give your listener a really thoughtful ending because that last line is what they remember. And if you just plop, if you you don't deliver and you plop that whole thing, you know, that's going to be in your reviews. So (laughs) be really, really careful about that.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I've I've seen some where quickly... Or as you say, wrap up the ending. You're like, well, isn't that convenient how that all worked out?
2: <laughs> and it's a big F you to the listener. It's a big F <laughs> so you like all that. This yeah. time,
1: you've spent all this time with that creator and there's got to be a payoff.
2: Yeah, exactly. Never, never waste the listener's time. Yeah, exactly. I know. And every time I, I'd say that's one of the hardest things, like when you end a season and when you end uh, even just a episode, you're like, is it wrapped up enough? Um, because with the first two that I did, I didn't know where I was going. I was like, oh, I'm just going to pant- be a and uh, Yeah, fly a uh, pantser, right? Yes. <laughs> you're not a plotter. I'm normally a plotter. But I was like, I'm just going to be a pantser and just go where this takes me. And then I was like, oh, shit, how are we going to fix this? <laughs> and I had an alternate ending. And I was like, should I use that one? Should I use that one? No. So know where you're going, know how it ends, and make sure it's it's worth it for the for the listener.
0: I was wondering, Christina, what do you think is exciting the new generation of audio story listeners?
2: Oh, Gen Z loves audio drama and fiction podcasts. general Zers are going to be in this. I'm pretty sure you're going to see courses in college. In fact, one of, uh, I, I know I met someone in one of the audio drama groups who is actually having her college students do an audio drama as a project, which, oh my God, like, can you imagine being 22 and having that on your portfolio? That's like amazing. And having, and going through that whole process. It's because I think the Gen Zers, and I know I see this with my kids too. They've grown up with YouTube. They've grown up with podcasts, and you're seeing a lot of these younger generations lose interest in celebrities and TV shows and movies, and they're going to YouTube and TikTok. Right? That's one of the reasons. Like I got TikTokers and YouTubers who are comedians to come over because they wanted the acting, Mm. and they're bringing in that younger audience. And you gotta like, we have to adapt to this form of storytelling. Like we could, they actually like long form. And they like to be able to binge Mm. Um, and they like, they've, you know, they've grown up with their parents listening to podcasts. They've grown up on YouTube. They've grown up to the multitasking where we're doing other things with our ear pods in or whatever. They've grown up with that and that's how they want to consume content. And you kind of have to start looking at like, how are we breaking up these long form stories to where Gen Zers like this? And I'm surprised like the amount of the younger audience that is listening. I'm like, I'm a 40 year old <laughs> in LA. Like, why are you listening to me? And you're like, your, and <laughs> you're 16. Like one of my, I had this like TikTok fan and she was like 16, 18. But then I looked at her stuff and what she really liked. And she liked the Hollywoods, you know, which is a big one right now. Uh, and, and having different characters like LGBTQ and stuff. A lot of people are getting more savvy about those kind of uh, storytelling, about inc- being more inclusive and things like that. And that's kind of what the Gen Zers are looking for. So mm-hmm. Hollywood isn't keeping up as much as they should. And they just like the uh, the way of listening to this content. So I think it's going to keep growing. I think a lot of people who probably couldn't sell their scripts or, you know, we're having trouble getting through the door, getting trouble getting work, um, are going to start making their own stuff through this way of storytelling. And you're also seeing um, networks like Q Code and, um, you know, Spotify, they're starting to get celebrities in doing audio drama now. And you're like, hey, we did it before it was cool. Don't be coming in here and like taking a, no, this is our space. We created this. But they're, they're coming and you can't stop them. So we need to build those fans and get ahead of the game. Because this is, you know, if they're going to enter the pirate radio waters, you know, we're already in here and we're already swimming pretty well. To where we can navigate and keep creating content, but it's gonna—I feel like it's going to get competitive pretty fast. Um, And I feel like more and more people are going to start coming in because they're realizing what an amazing method it is. It's—it's low cost to produce. It's really based on how well you can tell the story and how well you can build the fans. It's anyone's game now, which is exciting and competitive. So, I'm—I can't wait to see where it goes. In fact, we're launching a new episode. Next week, and I'm really excited for that one, too, because um, we're halfway through the season at that point A Venice Magic Shop. So it's an exciting you game. You mentioned about
1: some of the bigger names getting involved. What galls me about it is that they seem to pretend that it's their idea. Look at this new art form we created. No, like, no, 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 no.
2: You're obviously not in the UK, right? You obviously don't know. Yeah, I know. And, and that's, that's why I was so like, when I saw that there was not a space for Latinos and there was not a space for Latino stories. There's some in Spanish, like full on in Spanish, the radio novelas, right? Or they're, they're, they're kind of like telenovelas, but through radio. But there wasn't one that was like for, that was uniquely for us. And I, I checked the charts constantly. There's not a fiction podcast for Latinos, by Latinos, about Latinos in the top 100. And we're like, no, we need to push more and we need to change that. So... That's what also keeps me going and inspires me because, yeah, I think it's anyone's game and you know may the best may and it's not as comp- it's I, I know I'm making it sound like it's really competitive, but I only feel competitive with the big celebrities and stuff because like we've we've been in that world, we've been in that really nasty production world, you know. I'd like to see the indies bring it up a little bit more and see them win, and you do see some of them win too, like. Call of the Void is a really great one. And he's Michael Allen Herman, who is one of the producers. He's actually one of our actors. And he was very inspiring to watch his story, you know, lift up him and uh, his wife, um, who are Toffer and Etsy, to see their story do really, really well. Um, there's a lot of people who do malevolence doing really well, like they're killing it right now. So it's, it's, it's really inspiring to see them, to see them just bring their game. And it's like, OK, we can do this, too. We can make something amazing. So, yeah.
1: Awesome. We can do something amazing. I think it's a great line to end on. Christina, thank you so much for joining us on Audio Drama Insiders. I really appreciate your time.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you for coming. Christina, you are truly the Savvy Creative. (laughs) (laughs) I try. (laughs) Truly. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs)